Let me uh, kick us off this morning with prayer. Father, thank you so much for inviting us into your presence this morning. We want to hear your voice. Uh, Lord, for those of us who are accustomed to hearing from you speak now, your servant is listening. Uh, For those of us uh, for whom an experience of hearing your voice is, is very, very infrequent, I pray that you would train us over the next several weeks to, to tune into you more frequently, to hear your voice, to deepen our relationship with you, our connection with you. That's what life is all about. In fact, the eternal kind of life is to know you, whom to know is life eternal. For those of us who have never heard your voice, I pray, Jesus, for the gentle whisper. In your name we pray, amen. In uh, John ten twenty seven, Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. Um, so uh, today we begin a new series of conversations we're calling How to Hear from God. And, and whenever you, if we do a topic like How to Hear from God, we have stopped talking at God, uh, uh, about God, to God, and we're beginning to talk uh, with God. But we have to begin by admitting a couple of things to ourselves at the very outset. First of all, this is a frustrating topic for many of us. Uh, when Ashlyn, not her real name, heard that I was talking about this, she said to me last week, I'd love to hear from God, but I have the feeling I've begun to wonder if he really wants to be heard from. And uh, there was frustration in her voice, frustration that was no doubt built up over months, maybe years of not sensing any communication from God's side of things. At first blush, we, who wouldn't want to hear from God? Uh, so why is it that so many of us feel like we don't? Hence, frustration. A second thing we have to admit from the start is that this topic is a dangerous topic. I remember years ago, Priya, not her real name, told Diane and me that God had told her she was going to marry Jeff. That is his real name. And now the rub in this situation is that Jeff had not heard uh, a similar word and had no particular interest in this direction. By the way, uh, Priya and Jeff never got married. This is a topic full of danger. I brought this up to Jordan this week, and Jordan told me he heard a long time ago that we've got to be very careful about hearing from God when it relates to dates, mates, and babies. So just don't go there. Uh, There's danger in this topic, but it's a critically important topic nonetheless. Five centuries ago, uh, Teresa of Avila, she said, prayer is nothing else than being on good terms with God, on terms of friendship with God. So how, how do we nurture a friendship with God? How do we talk with God? Because often the conversation seems to go one way. And that's not really friendship, is it? So was Teresa exaggerating, or was she one of those saints of the church who just live on a higher plane than the rest of us? 
I'm going to try to convince you over these weeks that that's not the case. I'm going to agree with Pete Gregg that, quote, learning to hear God's voice, his word, and his whisper is the single most important thing you will ever learn to do. And if that's even close to accurate, then it begs the question, how do we hear from God? Now, Pete Gregg's book, How to Hear God, is one of the several resources that I'm going to recommend to you through this series, and I'll recommend many. And if you'll indulge me, I've got to launch today with an incident that Pete Gregg talked about in the introduction to his book, and you've got to hear this. Uh, he describes this scene. I settled into my seat as the door side shut and the train pulled away from the station. Gradually, we gathered speed until the familiar streets became a blur of buildings whirring past the window on our way into London. The carriage was crowded, but no one was talking. I let out a li little introverted sigh of relief and popped a pair of white earbuds into my ears, scrolling down to a podcast by cognitive neuroscientist Dr. Caroline Leaf I pressed play, looking forward to losing myself in the new ideas. The clattering of the tracks grew steadily louder, and I turned up the volume to hear. The lady opposite me caught my eye, and for a ghastly moment, I thought she wanted to talk. Smiling helplessly, I pointed out my earbuds and mouthed, sorry. She shrugged, too, and returned to her paperback. I turned the volume up a little more. Dr. Leaf was interviewing a woman who'd suffered such extreme trauma that it had triggered premature ovarian failure in early menopause. But she'd learned to moderate many of the symptoms of the menopause by carefully monitoring her stress levels. Dr. Leaf asked how one does this, and without missing a beat, the woman explained how to test the pH of one's own urine. Okay, at this point, Greg uh, goes, explains the atmosphere further. He talks about how he had to keep turning up the volume on the podcast because the train got louder and louder. It began to rain, and the rain got harder and harder, and people within the carriage seemed to be especially restless, making a lot of noise, so he ended with this. It was not until I began to gather my things to leave the train that the terrible truth emerged. <laughs> All this time, my earbuds had been disconnected from my phone. For almost 20 minutes, I've been broadcasting Dr. Lee's reflections on moodiness, memory loss, and mini pause at maximum volume to the entire carriage. The person least able to hear our guest's detailed instructions on the personal art of pea sampling had unfortunately been me. Everyone seated nearby, with the exception of the agitated lady sitting opposite me, had pretended not to notice, being too British to make a fuss. <laughs> okay, how do we get the earbuds in our ear? And how do we get the settings set on connecting the phone? How do we get them connected? How do we hear God's voice amidst the clatter and clutter of our lives, external and internal clatter and clutter? This is not an easy topic. It will take some work on our part. In part because God doesn't speak to us the way we speak to one another. But it's also not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. Remember Jesus' words? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is a topic for all of us, not just for the mystics or the great saints or the uber-religious. If sheep can do it, so can we. And that was Jesus' point. 
We just need to understand how and to be willing to go into our spiritual settings and, and turn on the connection between the buds and the phone. So to help us through this series, I'm going to provide you with a program each week. And uh, this program is going to include our announcements and then some notes each week and some ways to go deeper. And we've provided that today, and there are prompts for this week. I'll be telling you more about that in a few minutes. I'm also going to give you some resources each week. Today, just one, but after today, there will be several books and uh, websites that you can go to 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 plunge a little deeper into this topic. More importantly, at the end of each Sunday after this week, we'll do some lab work. So I want you to come prepared for that. This series is going to be a full contact sport. Now, let me drop this topic into a larger uh, conversation or a larger context if I can. We've already said that our focus this year as a church at Gateway is going to be on discipleship. We're going to dig into being disciples and how to help others by discipling them. Uh, well, hearing from God is an indispensable part of discipleship. This is the kind of relationship with God that Jesus dedicated his entire teaching ministry to explaining. So this is an extremely important topic for us, especially now. Let's begin our five weeks together by asking an introductory question this morning. What does the voice of God sound like? I'm going to borrow the thoughts of Bill Gautier for this. I'll give, uh, he gives four markers that, that help us identify the voice of God, and then I'm going to add one a personal one to that list. You may have others from your experience, but these markers capture my experience nicely. I'm aiming here to be very practical, and we're going to do that through this whole series. We're going to be very, very practical, especially in our lab work. But I want to start with an overarching principle that we have to remember as we think about what God's voice sounds like. So what does God's voice sound like? Jesus is what God's voice sounds like. Jesus is literally the living Word of God. Anything God says to us will sound like Jesus. I like what Pete Gregg says about this. He says, hearing his voice is not so much a skill we must master, therefore, as a master we must meet. Okay, given that big idea, uh, let's look at some practical markers that help us recognize when that internal voice is God and when it's, when it's us or old tapes or someone else's voice, uh, how we might be experiencing it. Number one, it might be helpful to know that the voice of God often sounds surprising. An important distinguishing mark of a message from God as opposed to my own thoughts or thoughts that come from another person, can be that it comes as a surprise. Now, not all surprises are from God, and not everything God says is a surprise, but God's message often surprises us. When God spoke to the boy Samuel in the Old Testament, some of you know this story, uh, he, God said, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And what he told the boy Samuel was, a, it was outside of Samuel's universe. It was, a, it was a complete surprise to Samuel. I have a good friend named Tom who a few years ago left full-time ministry. He and I uh, 
went to seminary together, began pastoring at the same time and pastored similar churches for the first uh, several years of our ministry. Tom left ministry, full-time ministry, a few years ago, feeling called by God to go into personal and life coaching. He says that he likes to help people find clarity and purpose in their lives. Interestingly, uh, late in Tom's ministry or later in Tom's ministry, he, he started uh, mentoring young seminary students at the seminary that he and I went to. And, and then it became an official thing. And, and the seminary pretty much assigned all foreign students to go through this mentoring program with Tom. And it was his favorite thing to do in, in all of his ministry. So increasingly, God just began to press this on his heart. He wanted him to do this with his life. Big decision to make. You know, he was leaving uh, the city that they had lived in for 30 years, and he was leaving a regular paycheck and, and full-time job and, and launching out on his own. A lot of prayer about this. So they had decided they were going to make this big move. And uh, kind of right before launching, I mean, I think it was like the, the day before he officially quits, he's spending some time in prayer with God. And he hears God say, 60 is not too old. And uh, Tom had uh, just turned 60. And honestly, it was a uh, discouraging word for him. And uh, it was surprising that God spoke this and a little discouraging. He felt like God was being condescending. He felt like God was saying, oh, Tom, don't worry. You know, you can, you can, you still got it, buddy, at 60. He's praying through this and telling God his frustration. And a little while later, he heard God say to him, I'm not talking about you. And his immediate reaction was, I don't want to work with old people. I want to work with young, vital people. I want to be around their energy. And the next day, a 60-year-old guy called him and said, can you coach me? And the day after that, another 60-year-old guy called him and said, can you coach me? And Tom was all in on this surprising word from God. It didn't come from Tom. Secondly, the voice of God often sounds like a gentle touch to the soul. The prophet Elijah experienced God's voice as a gentle whisper. It was decidedly not in the dramatic circumstances, but in the gentle whisper. Ignatius of Loyola was writing in the 16th century. He made an awesome comment about what it sounds like to discern God's voice. And he said this, listen to this. The good angel, which Ignatius was using as a, an image for hearing God's voice, the good voice. The good angel touches the soul gently lightly, sweetly, like a drop of water going into a sponge. The evil spirit touches it sharply with noise and disturbance like a drop of water falling onto a stone. If a message feels harsh or overly hard, and I've heard some of those messages, and I've heard from you some of those messages that you feel like you're getting from God, that's not the voice of God. If you had an especially difficult childhood, please remember this. There may be harsh, a harsh voice that constantly plays in your head. This is not the voice of God. The voice of God is not pushy. We do not feel manipulated or shoved by God's messages to us. It's a gentle 
touch to the soul. So how do those two markers line up with your experience? Third, the voice of God sounds like calm authority. This is a near perfect description of most of Jesus' teaching ministry, calm authority. He didn't yell, he didn't need to, but there was force. There was authority like most had never heard. Philosophy professor Dr. Dallas Willard said, quote, the quality of God's voice is more a matter of weight or impact an impression makes on our consciousness. It's a, it's a certain steady and calm force. It inclines us toward assent. We sense inwardly the immediate power of God's voice, the unquestionable authority. Uh, when my children were young, I had a little uh, gimmick that I used with them over the years when there was something important that I needed them to hear or when there had been disobedience, or when there had been disrespect. And these were the two things that Diane and I always uh, disciplined, disobedience and disrespect. When there had been some incident like that, or again, something important, I would get down on my knees and I'd get in front of them and I'd say, this is a big one, buddy. So listen. Uh, they knew to listen when, when we went through that routine. A few weeks ago, I don't know if you remember this, but if you were here, uh, Nate and Letitia Adcock were on the stage telling their story to us. It's very moving to me. Nate went through a pretty long period where he uh, decidedly distanced himself from God. Uh, he didn't give many details, but Nate ran as far away from God as he possibly could. And then there was a period of time when uh, he sensed God's voice calling him back to himself. And I was so moved. He'd never said this to me before, but Nate said, through that period, God's voice sounded to me like Ed when he used to say to his boys, that's a big one, buddy. It was the voice of a loving father. This not only moved me to hear Nate say that, but it was also very affirming of this marker. This is what Nate was trying to describe in ways that we can understand the calm authority of God's voice. Fourth, uh, Dr. Dallas Willard also reminds us that the voice of God sounds like sweet reasonableness. What God says makes sense. What God said to Tom made sense once he had time to think about it. And half his clients, by the way, now are people over 60 who are transitioning for a final time in their life. Plus, God's voice warms our soul eventually. It's reasonable, and it warms our soul. It's, it's agreeable, it's sweet, it's sweet awesomeness. Even in rebuking me, I have sensed the sweet reasonableness of God's message. Willard said it like this, the voice of God has a spirit of exalted peacefulness and confidence, of joy, of sweet reasonableness. Years ago, I had someone tell me that, someone who came to Gateway, tell me that they God had told them that they would come into tremendous financial blessing, and there was considerable emphasis on the word tremendous when they told it. And they, they told me all the things that they, they believed they were going to do with this financial blessing that God was going to bring into their lives. And I have to tell you, uh, 
it didn't feel like sweet reasonableness to me, even at the time. Uh, plus, it felt like something entirely other than the soul was being warmed by this word. The, the appeal was to a different organ, I think. When Jesus was first starting out his ministry, he was baptized by uh, his cousin, John the Baptist. And as he was coming out of the water, it seems like the Father spoke audibly to God the Son because some of the people witnessing heard it. And God the Father said, this is my Son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Sweet reasonableness. God's message is going to make sense and it's going to warm the soul. Fifth, I want to add one more marker of my own experience. Now, I've read a bunch of people about this, and I've never heard uh, anyone else say this, so be advised. Although I do think that, that this fifth marker aligns with much of what we see in the Bible when people are hearing the voice of God. Fifth, the voice of God is succinct, yet very, very rich. Whenever I've experienced God's voice, he says little, but he communicates volumes. I'll give some examples as we walk through this series, but for right now, I think of his creative voice. Let there be light. And with that simple phrase, reality as we know it was flung into existence. God is not wordy. He does not need to be. I've heard on many occasions people claiming to uh, speak for God into other people's lives, claiming that the message came directly from God. This is a word from God for you. And I've heard some awesome things in that context, but I've also heard, remember uh, the danger part that I started out with today, uh, and some of those words have been very long, and very involved, many, many words, and a little preachy to me, this is not what the voice of God sounds like. The voice of God, he speaks little, and he communicates worlds. Uh, as I said, I'm going to give you the cheat sheet here. Uh, Peter Gray goes through this and identifies uh, five different ways that this passage, this interaction between Jesus and, and these uh, two followers... Um, in ways in which this is a, a metaphor for how God speaks to us. And Thomas, I'm going to ask if you would to go through the next set of slides. I've identified it on the screen. He, he finds, first of all, uh, conversationally. He asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And this is, of course, one of the ways in which God speaks to us. Secondly, exegetically, in the Scriptures themselves. Uh, you'll find out in week three, this is the primary way in which God speaks to us, and everything aligns with this, or it is not God's voice, explaining all the scriptures concerning himself. Third, sacramentally. He took bread and he broke it. Fourth, prophetically, speaking powerfully, directly into our hearts and minds and opening our eyes when their eyes were opened, opening the eyes of their heart. Inwardly, he spoke directly to their hearts, and we'll talk some about this, especially in week five, how we identify. That's a dangerous area, but it is an area in which God communicates to us. Uh, their hearts were burning within them. Now, we're being invited into just this kind of dialogue with God. 
In the next three to five weeks in this series, we're going to talk about the ways God speaks to us. We'll also talk about how to recognize his voice a little more. Next week, we're going to discuss how to build the right atmosphere to hear from him. How do we go go about changing the settings on the connection so that the earbuds are actually connected to the phone? How do we start the process? I hope you will not miss next week. And you might want to bring someone who needs to hear this. Uh, For now, let me give you some hints on going deeper. Uh, In your program, on the back side, and this will happen every week, There is a going deeper section. It's not always going to be this. There'll be a variety of things. But this week, I've given five prompts. And I would encourage you to take, look, three minutes per day. And let's begin to set the tone, set the atmosphere for what God is going to say to us. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I would say take a prompt each day. You can use this. These prompts are also on mygateway.life. So check that. Don't throw these programs away. Take this home and put it on one of those fridge magnets. Do people use those anymore? My wife does, but um, I don't know. Uh, If you spend much time in the thought of the Bible, it's hard to disagree with Dr. Willard's conclusion. He says this, listen, a biblical Christian is not just someone who holds certain beliefs about the Bible. He or she is also someone who leads the kind of life demonstrated in the Bible, a life of personal, intelligent interaction with God. We were perfectly designed to have a relationship with God, to have a relationship with God. And I suspect we've all heard him more than we even know. You know, one of the ways, Pete, Greg doesn't point out, but one of the ways that Cleopas and the other disciple heard from God in this encounter? From the Lord himself. Jesus spoke. And they didn't even know it for for a while. Uh, Let's dig in. Let's listen. Let's go deeper in this adventure with God. Let's pray together, and I'm going to ask the worship team if they'd come. So, Father, we, this morning, right now, in this moment, we give all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of you. With our thoughts, we actively train our thoughts toward you. We turn off the, for a moment, we turn off the the critic. We shut that down. The cynic. We turn that off. The to-do list, we lay that aside. We think right now of the glory and beauty of our relationship with you. Ways that you have stirred, ways that you have moved, encouraged, spoken. And Lord, we make ourselves available to you. Speak. Your servants are listening. We want to see you. We want to hear you. This entire exercise is going to be futile unless you breathe life into it.
ask that you would do so, not because we deserve it, but because of the sacrifice of your son Jesus and what that means over our lives. Whatever way, Lord, uh, look, you wired us, you made us, we are beautiful in your sight. You, you formed us in our mother's wombs. Deep down, you knew our wiring, you knew how, you knew our frame, all of it, top to bottom. And you have created us to relate to you, to communicate with you. So be training us personally, not just all together, personally. How it is that we hear from you. How it is that dialogue with you is richer for us, given our wiring, given who we are. We make ourselves available to you. Speak. Your servants are listening. 